Our second reading is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them, and the scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed, and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, What are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. The word of the Lord. Good morning, Christ Church. Can you all hear me? Is it okay? Yeah. Uh, Christ Church, you have a beautiful church here. And uh, obviously I'm not talking about Madison High School or any of these uh, decorations. Uh, the church is the, the people of God. And I was warmly welcomed by literally every person I met. And so uh, Christ Church, you have a beautiful church. I just want to encourage you all with that. Uh, Reverend Johnny, thank you so much for the opportunity to share God's word with CCV. and. Um, can I just say this as, maybe this is an assumption, I think we're friends. Uh, uh, as a fellow friend and, and fellow pastor and former lead pastor, uh, CCP, you are blessed with Reverend Johnny. You are. And, uh, and this, he, this is not from him, this is just for me as a friend. Would you continue to love him, bless him, particularly as he goes on sabbatical? Pray for him, and I, and I know you already are, would you continue to pray for him? Uh, bless him, write him a note of encouragement, just something that will store up in his uh, reservoir as he goes off to sabbatical. And so uh, just, again, have been blessed by, uh, again, the few times we've met, and, and uh, just want to let you know, CCV, you are blessed. Um, again, my name is Matt Yi. I'm married to my wife, Stephanie. Uh, we have three kids. They're in the children's ministry, and I pastored in the Northern Virginia area about 15 years. Um, including my last ministry post as a church planter. Uh, and we met down the street for a couple years as well at uh, Marshall Road Elementary School. Uh, so we were a church plant, and so we did mobile church as well. Shout out to those of you who do set up every morning, okay? God sees you, okay? God sees you, all right? Yeah, yeah, give it up for those who set up, for real. Um, uh, but uh, again, currently I'm... Uh, occupationally challenged. Um, I, I'm un unemployed and, and kind of in this season of discernment. Uh, but enough about me. Let's get into the text uh, this morning. And 
Uh, and I know the text wasn't on the screen, but that's okay, because sometimes it's just good to hear God's word and just let the imagination roll. And, and in today's text, there's a lot there. It's a very rich text, but this morning, I'm just gonna park us on several verses here in verses 21 through 24, and I'll read that for us. And Jesus asked his father, this father, how long has this been happening to him? And this father said, from childhood, and it has often cast him into fire, into water, to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. Will you join with me in a short prayer? Oh God, thank you that you are a holy God, but that though you are different than us, you still come to us, you condescend, you come and approach us, and you give us your word. And so, Lord, just echoing Reverend Johnny's prayer, Lord, I pray that these would be your words. And if it's not, if it's just my words, my thoughts, uh, God, I pray that we would just all have amnesia. It would just fall innocently to the ground. We'd all go to lunch. But God, if it's your word, because it's from you and you are a holy, loving God, that your word would go out and, as you promised, would not return null or void, that it would accomplish all that needs to be accomplished, whether it be comfort, encouragement, conviction, challenge, or just to be loved. Pray that your word would do that, your presence would do that. And we ask these things uh, for our good and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to encourage us to finish this sentence here. God, why? How would you finish the rest of that sentence? As a pastor, I've met with um, many people uh, who were once in the church, but for whatever reason, they, they left the church and maybe even left the faith altogether. And I can only think of maybe a handful of folks who have left over something theological, yeah, whether it be creation, evolution, or, or judgment and hell, or something in Scripture that just, they didn't sit with them. It didn't sit with them well, and so they left. But I would say the overwhelming majority of people who I've gotten the privilege to hear their story, who have left the church, who have left the faith, I think can be summarized with this sentence. God, why? God, why did my father leave our family? God, why did my mother get cancer and die? God, why did I get married to this person? God, why am I not married? God, why are we struggling with infertility? God, why did that church leader hurt me? God, why? And perhaps this morning, some of you, you had a difficult time finishing that sentence, and God bless you. You've had a good life, okay? But I think for some of us, you finished that sentence very quickly because that sentence is something that you've been thinking about for the last several months, maybe even years, maybe even decades. And it didn't take you long to finish that sentence. And here, 
When pain comes our way, oftentimes it leads to doubt, hard questions, unbelief. Pain and suffering can cause unbelief, but more often than not, I believe pain and suffering reveals unbelief. And so here we witness this in today's passage here at Rehab. Just to recap, this, this father's going through something incredibly painful. He's watched his child suffer for many years. And in the other gospels accounts, they tell us it's his only child. It's his only son. And so he's watched him uh, suffer this extreme epilepsy, plus he's unable to speak and hear. And sometimes there's this spiritually oppressive, even demonic force or presence controlling him. Again, I, I'm assuming that many of you here are parents, and, and as a parent as well, um, maybe you would resonate with this statement that the greatest pain we experience is not pain to us, but to our children, right? Watching our children struggle or suffer is so painful, and so this father is in the midst of excruciating pain by having to watch his son suffer. And so Jesus encounters this father, and they have this conversation about this boy's condition, how long he's been suffering since childhood, what are his condition, foams at the mouth, grinds teeth, but even sometimes is thrown into water and fire. So this is not just epilepsy. When some force is trying to drown or burn your child, that's not just epilepsy. And as a parent, this is a painful experience, and it all comes to a head. Eventually, there's this exchange, again, in verse 22. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us, Jesus. Help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. I grew up in an Asian Presbyterian uh, background, so this is probably, that wouldn't probably flow, but can we just say this all together? This is an Anglican church. We just had a bunch of liturgies, so can we all say that phrase together? I believe, help my unbelief. One, two, three. I believe, help my unbelief. Oh, love the Anglican church. Love the Anglican church. Uh, again, Asian Presbyterian, they're, they're predestined to be quiet. Um, so, um, so this father is desperately pleading with Jesus, help in any way, if you can. You already sense his doubt. You already sense whether, he, whether or not he believes. And, and Jesus says, if you can, all things are possible for those who believe. And the father immediately shouts out, I believe. But this moment of pain has also revealed his unbelief. And he can't help but speak honestly and vulnerably. I believe, but you know what? I don't really fully believe. And the passage ends with the crowds coming and Jesus casts out the evil spirit, possessing this child, and Jesus heals this son. And again, I love the honesty and vulnerability of this father. I believe, help my unbelief. And if we're honest, I think all of us, to some degree, can resonate with that phrase. I believe, help my unbelief. And the beauty of that phrase is only eclipsed by this truth, friends. And may you be just encouraged by this truth. Jesus draws near to those who admit their unbelief. Jesus draws near to those who admit their unbelief. And we'll see this wonderful truth rise up from the text. And, and to help us, I'll just share two brief connection points between pain and unbelief. 
Point one, pain is a revelation. So in today's passage, this father hits absolute desperation. He's probably tried so many different things, seen doctors, seen the specialists of that day, of that time period, right? He's, he's maybe even seen spiritual experts, people who are into witchcraft, because he's so desperate. He's so desperate. And then in the broader passage, he even asked Jesus' disciples first, and they couldn't help. And now he's heard about this man, Jesus. He's heard word on the street as he's doing some crazy things. He's performing miracles, healings, exorcisms. And so this father is hopeful and desperate. And he finally encounters Jesus, and, and all of this comes to a head, and, and the dam of his heart breaks when, when Jesus says, all things are possible for one who believes. And the father's like, of course I believe in you. But on an unrelated note, I don't fully believe in you. And pain was able to pull back the curtains and reveal both belief and unbelief. Friends, as um, Reverend Johnny mentioned earlier, I was a pastor for many years. I, I took a break uh, from pastoral ministry about a year ago at the end of 2021. I had planted a church uh, in 2014, and um, again, there was a lot of joys, a lot of joys with it, people coming to know the Lord, people being restored in their relationship. Um, again, we met right down the street uh, for a season as well. But throughout the time of pastoring this new church, uh, I really started to struggle with my mental, emotional health. Uh, it started to affect my marriage. Um, small things like concerns became problems, started to snowball into strife. Saw it in my parenting, saw how, uh, how I'd be a lot more quick to anger with my children saw it in the frequency of my drinking, frequency of going to my phone or entertainment to numb what was going on. It was a really hard time. And this really awesome thing called the pandemic happened, and that just crushed me. And so after about another year of just kind of pushing through, persevering, I announced to our, our church, our church plant, that I would be resigning after six years. And the church is a congregational church. They voted to dissolve. And so our church closed in December 2021. And I will say that uh, it was painful. It was painful. 20, 2022 was a year of just a lot of pain, a lot of anger, anger even towards God. I was hurt. I was lost, confused. It was wilderness, basically, for me. And I will say there was a silver lining that the pain and suffering, the lostness, the anger, it, in God's gentle way, revealed my belief and unbelief. I still believe in the gospel. I still believe in what Jesus did, his life, death, and resurrection, that he lived the life I should have lived. He died the death I should have died. I believe in that, and he rose again, but, but I questioned whether God was sovereign. I wasn't sure if God was sovereign and in control because of what I saw and what I experienced. God, if you're trying to reach the world and, and the primary vehicle of reaching the world is churches and you would need as many churches to reach as many people, why, God, would you close a church? That makes no sense. I believe that God is the creator of the universe. 
right? All the beauty that's around us, right? Again, there's the problem of pain and evil. Everyone understands that. But atheists and unbelievers need to deal with the problem of beauty, okay? There's a lot of beauty in the world. You better answer to that. And I believe God is creator, but right now, I'm, I don't have a job. God, are you going to provide? Are you Jehovah Jireh? Do you? And there's unbelief. There's belief and unbelief. And, and really, these questions for me boils down to my question, my God, why question is, God, why did our church have to close? It was a good church. We had good people. It wasn't like fighting there wasn't gossip. There wasn't a ton of criticism. Like, people gave generously. People were faithful. The preaching was okay. Like, it was a good church. Like, God, what happened? God, why? And pain can be a revelation of our belief and unbelief. My second point is pain is an opportunity. Now, before I go forward with this point to clarify, I am not going to stand up here and say pain is a blessing in disguise. Pain can always teach us something. No. Pain is horrible. Like these lines, these are cliches that Job's friends probably gave to Job, right? Listen, pain stinks. Suffering is terrible, period, full stop. And I need to emphasize that because some of you today, you don't need to hear some kind of cliche or platitude. Because you are in it. You are in the thick of it. And I want you to know that pain is terrible. But thanks be to God, there is hope. There is some hope in pain and suffering. That's the God of the Bible, that somehow he can bring opportunity. I'm going to, real quick, three short spiritual opportunities. And there's many more, but I'll just hit three. One, Jesus can possibly do a miracle. We see this clearly in today's passage. Jesus heals this man's son. Jesus expels this demonic spiritual presence that controlled this boy. Christ church, Jesus can do a miracle in your life. Jesus can do a miracle in the hospital. Jesus can do a miracle in your family. Jesus can do a miracle in your loneliness, despair. Jesus can show up. He can do a miracle. Do you believe this? I believe. Help my unbelief. Secondly, Jesus can transform unbelief into belief. Watch this. Notice when the Father confesses, I believe. Help my unbelief. And how does Jesus respond? Jesus is like, whoa, 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 whoa. I was, I was about to heal your son, but I'm, I'm disheartened to hear that you have unbelief. Wish you kept that to yourself. <laughs> Even as this father confesses honestly, Jesus, in his mercy, in his kindness, heals and delivers his son. Friends, do you think this father's unbelief was converted to belief? Oh, definitely. Again, highlighting this wonderful truth, Jesus draws near to those who admit their unbelief. And I know how that sounds because most religions demand unwavering belief 
and allegiance, no doubts, no questions, just believe. But the beauty of the Christian faith is that it allows space for doubt, for hard questions, for unbelief. And in fact, I'll go a step further. Not only does Jesus allow space for unbelief, he presses in. He draws closer, which seems counterintuitive. You would think God is just drawn to those who believe, but that is the beauty of the Bible and the God of the Bible. He draws near even to those who have unbelief. Again, maybe the most well-known example, again, as we head to the cross, is John 20, and I'll read it for us. Now Thomas, one of the 12, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see his hands, the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand in his, into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it into my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Here it comes. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. If you, this morning, I don't know where you are spiritually. Uh, some of you have been walking with the Lord for a while. Some of you are exploring Christianity. If you have doubt or unbelief, whether you've been a longtime follower or you're, you're inquiring, would you be encouraged by Thomas? This guy had a ton of unbelief. I mean, he walked with Jesus for years. He literally saw with his eyes the amazing things that Jesus was doing. And here at the very end when, again, he also saw Jesus die, and, but he had not seen the resurrected Jesus. And so here he says, this is some serious unbelief, friends. I will never believe. I will never believe. And when Jesus appears to the disciples, Jesus is like, come, my disciples, except for you, Thomas. You. You stay in the corner with your doubt. Mm. Jesus pressed in. Jesus drew near to this person who confessed serious unbelief. And Jesus showed up and converted his unbelief into belief. And his faith was strengthened. Christ church, Jesus is not afraid of your doubts. He's not afraid of your hardest questions, your skepticism, cynicism. Jesus draws near to those who, who doubt but admit their doubt. He wants to prove he is real, he's alive, that the gospel is true and relevant, and Jesus is here even in our times of pain. Do you believe this? I believe. Help my unbelief. And the third opportunity, we can be Jesus to others by making room for people's unbelief. Allow me to explain this this opportunity with a story. A friend of mine who's a pastor, um, he had a very unique visitor recently to his church, and, uh, and when he met with, when he followed up with this newcomer, he heard his testimony, and his testimony was he was not a believer, went to prison, uh, and while in prison, came to faith. 
He heard the gospel and he came to know Jesus, hallelujah, from death to life in prison. And then he joined the church in prison. And then eventually he finished out his sentence and was released. And the first thing, the first thing he wanted to do was be a part of a church. So he started visiting local churches and, and um, he visited churches, but he really struggled. And he was sharing this again to my friend who's a pastor. And uh, he struggled and, and the struggle was this. He said, people in church are weird. That's what he said. And he said, I just, I feel guarded. I feel out of place. And, and the pastor, my friend was like, oh, is, is it because they know you had served a sentence, you know, anything like that, that you'd been in prison? He said, no, 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 that's not it. I just don't feel safe to be me. Like when I see the people, they seem like they have no doubt, no questions. They have complete faith. And I don't, I don't, I don't feel safe to share because they all look like they've been put together. Like they don't have, it doesn't look like they have unbelief. They don't look like they have questions. So I don't feel safe to be me. And the irony I, I, it dawned on me was he felt more free in the prison church. Every church's membership has gone down anywhere from 10% to 50%. The pandemic has just wiped out churches. And here's my take on what happened. I think people have left the church for myriad reasons, um, but I propose one of the reasons is unbelief. Meaning this, that during the pandemic, there was this collective pain, like we just all got slapped in the face. And I think it revealed unbelief in many people's hearts. As they were watching service online and no longer had to dress up right, or get showered, <laughs> no longer had to get the kids ready and pile them into the car. Uh, the pandemic revealed people's unbelief. I think people started to assess their faith, and suddenly they realized, hey, I, I have some serious questions. I have some doubt. I didn't know that this was there, but the pandemic has caused me to see I have some questions about God, and I don't know about these questions. I don't know about these doubts. I don't know about the Bible anymore. And I don't know if I want to sing next to that person who has severe halitosis. And, and so people had unbelief. And I believe that some people felt like they, they couldn't share it because it looked like everyone else around them had it put together. And so I think some people, because of shame, maybe they were a longtime member. Maybe they were a leader in the church. And they were just ashamed, like, how could I have these questions? I've served God. I've walked with God all these years. What would people think if they knew the questions I had? Christ Church, may you be and continue to be a church that creates space, that even invites unbelief, invites doubt, invites hard questions, May you be Jesus towards those who have unbelief, even those sitting around us. I believe you all can be this kind of church. Do you believe this? I believe. Help my unbelief. But Christ Church, how can we be sure of these opportunities? What guarantee, what assurance is there? And it's the gospel. Because this event with this father and son 
would foreshadow another event with a father and son. And it would be another event where this father watches his son in incredible pain. And this father would have the power to save his son from suffering. This father would actually be able to rescue his son from this incredible suffering, the suffering that no one else in the history of the universe ever experienced, the greatest pain ever, the holy judgment and wrath for the sins of this world. But this father would ultimately let his son suffer and be thrown into the fire on the cross. And Jesus, God the Son, suffered unbelievable pain for us. But why would God the Father allow his son to enter into that? Why? So that we would be spared. So that we would be saved. This is, we just sang about it, how deep the Father's love for us. Christ Church, in the season of Lent, we remember that Jesus, though fully divine, he became fully human. He knew physical pain, hunger, thirst, sleeplessness, whipped, nailed to a cross. He knew emotional pain, anxiety, depression, loneliness. He knew relational pain, abandonment, betrayal. And for that matter, Jesus himself, would you be encouraged? Jesus himself had a God-why moment. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You're not alone in your God-why. Even Jesus, as a human, had a God-why moment. Yet through all of Jesus' pain and suffering, he did not sin. Jesus did not sin. Jesus had unwavering trust and belief in his Father. He had no unbelief, yet he was utterly rejected. Why? So that we, who have belief and unbelief mixed together, would be graciously welcomed and accepted into the family of God. So that even if we in our faith are wishy-washy and fickle and prone to wonder, that even if we have doubts and questions, that even if we have just a faith the size of a mustard seed, that we can be accepted. Why? Because of Christ's faithful and complete work on the cross. This is the beauty of the Christian faith. It's not about the amount of faith. It's about the object of our faith. Christ Church, may Jesus be the object, the beautiful object of our faith. Do you believe this? I believe. Help my unbelief. Will you join with me in prayer? Oh God, we believe, help our unbelief. Oh Lord, I pray for all of us this morning. May we be encouraged by that beautiful truth today that, that we can feel safe to share our unbelief, our doubt, our questions. That Jesus, you draw near to those who admit, confess their unbelief. 
it's a weakness and it's a, it's a chance where you can demonstrate your strength. And Lord, I especially pray for those this morning who their God, why? It, it just weighs heavy on them. And that unbelief is, is heavy. Lord, I feel that too. And yet, I've met you in my unbelief. You've met me, I should say. And I pray that you would do that for them as well. Lord, in your kindness, in your mercy, would you meet all of us again in our belief, in our unbelief. Thank you for, again, your kindness, your grace towards us. We love you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he should give his only Son to Bring many sons to